This podcast contains swearing, drinking, lame dad jokes, descriptions of gross body problems, and lots of history. Consider yourself warned. The tale of this long-legged hammer will give you nightmares. to Monarchs and Malarkey, the podcast that takes an alcohol-laden dive into the weird and quirky health and death histories of leaders throughout time. I'm your host, Danielle. I'm your co-host, Mike. And I'm your other co-host, Amanda. Yay! 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 At one point, we'll stop being excited that I'm here permanently now. No, never. Never. So tonight, we are going to talk about an absolute asshole. Edward- like most men in history. <laughs> Uh, Edward Longshanks, a.k.a. Edward I, which is kind of interesting because there actually was already a king of England named Edward, but whatever. He's known as Edward I, also as Edward Longshanks, and he's also known as the Hammer of the Scots. So we have tried two alcohols to go with tonight's show. One is an oatmeal stout. Which was, I'm sorry. It was foul. It was nasty. It was gross. No, just no. No. And then because... This wine label goes so well with Braveheart. We got True Myth red wine. Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, and it's gross. It's also gross. We're going to use it as cooking wine. So we're drinking the alcohol from last episode. Yeah, that one was just... True Myth goes well with the theme of Braveheart was a lie. But the wine is just gross. Sorry, True Myth. Please don't come after us. Don't at me. Don't at me, bro. Don't at me, bro. But it was pretty gross. So, yeah, so we're drinking alcohol from previous episodes. We've got, like, a table filled with alcohol from the last three we've uh, recorded. (laughs) Most of Edward's reign was spent in war. He really liked war. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as our... He liked fighting. So, to dive into the lifestyle of the time, I decided to investigate what war was like for soldiers in... England in the 1200s during Edward's reign. And it was bad. (laughs) Um, I didn't expect it to be good. I thought it was going to be bad, but it was honestly worse than I thought. So obviously in that time, it was mostly peasants who fought. There was some lords, nobility, knights, that kind of thing. But for the most part... What else are you going to do with the peasants? Really the peasants? Well, yeah, exactly. Because it was made up of peasants, they had very little to any formal training before the war. Like, at all. The idea of pitchforks and gardening tools is not unrealistic. Oh, no. They were given almost no training. Um, It was usually that they were called to battle. They were given a couple weeks to train. Quote. Quote, quote, train. (laughs) And then they were sent off to war. They also were expected a lot. Other than just being willing to risk your life. For God and country. It was always, you're fighting for God and for mm-hmm, the king. Mm-hmm. They also often had to supply their own stuff. They had to bring their own food, their own clothing. And they often brought their families because they couldn't afford to leave their families at home. So oftentimes women and children were there with their daddies and their brothers and whatever who were off fighting. They had a long line of people in their retinue behind them it was nuts oh, yeah. Yeah. and and yeah, like i said you had you had to provide your own food you had to bring your own clothing 
The only rewards you really got if you won was that usually you were allowed to loot whatever villages and stuff you destroyed. Mm-hmm. And that's how you got more food and more clothing. They really provided them with almost nothing. They provided them with weapons. And that was about it. And on top of that, these sieges or these battles could last for weeks or months. Or years. Or sometimes. years. Yeah. Like some of the battles that Longshanks was in charge of or happened during his time lasted for months and months and months at a time. So this was not like you left your home for a couple months and then you came back. Your family left your land for up to a year at a time, easily. And there was even times where they were asked to burn and destroy their own lands. So that the enemy couldn't use it. Yep. So being a a soldier at this time was... Shitty. Shitty. And everything you did, you were constantly told that you were fighting for God and you were fighting for your king. It was an honor to be called to do this. And a lot of people believed that. They thought that what they were doing was what they were supposed to do in their life. And then usually living after war or battles was just as horrific. Because mm-hmm. the weapons that they had at this time were designed to kill. Right. Not to injure, not to maim. They were designed to kill. So if you actually did survive, you usually had really horrific, horrible scars. There are a lot of people who had brain damage, deformities, all this kind of stuff. But if you did, when you came home, it was a sign of honor and mm-hmm. prestige that you were willing to sacrifice for your country. The other big problem, especially, and when I was doing a lot of research, was a huge problem during the time of Edward Longshanks. They would bring home a lot of disease. They would bring a lot of diseases from foreign countries that they would go to, lands that they were unfamiliar with. Lots of STIs. Lots of STIs. There was also a huge problem. Well, they didn't really have vaccines back then. Oh, they had nothing. Well, and the other huge problem that I just, (laughs) when I was researching... They, honestly, like everything that I was reading was like, this was one of the biggest problems for soldiers at the time was sewage. There was no place for them to go. They just dig big holes. Yeah. So they yeah. just went everywhere. They went around their camps and where they were going to battle and all this kind of stuff. So a lot of people died from diseases caught by just, you know, either they were wounded or they were already sick and then they got stuff from the sewage and you can use your imagination on to how gross of a death that was. Uh, it was, gross. It was really, really bad. And it was quite often that if you got a disease while you were already in battle, they would leave you behind. Mm-hmm. They would rather have you die than infect the rest of the camp. And this isn't something that they figured out and fixed shortly thereafter. Oh, no. This is something that lasted for hundreds this, of this years. This went on for years and years throughout medieval times, and it was just easier that way. And... For the most part, a huge amount of people who died during these battles were because of disease and sickness, not because of fighting in the war. So imagine like the worst battle you can think of and times Call it, by... it in. <laughs> and uh, times it by like a ton. And that would be what it was like as a daily life for a soldier at this time. So as we're talking about Edward Longshanks and all of the many wars and battles that he created in his time or Think of all the thousands upon thousands of soldiers who lived through all this crap. I would imagine they're cooking over fires and camp stoves and things. Well, maybe not camp stoves, but fires and things. What kind of food were they transporting with them? Well, that's the thing is because they were responsible for bringing their own food. Like I was saying, they had to bring their own food, their own clothes. 
a lot of the peasants just brought things that were very prevalent at the time, like cereals and grains. And they made a lot of things like gruel and porridge and stuff like that, because that's mostly what the peasants lived on at the time anyway. But one of the rewards for doing your duty was you were allowed to loot. Mm -hmm. So if they ever did defeat any sort of nobility or anything like that, they were allowed to take the meats or the vegetables or the fruits that were not something they often ate. But really, they lived off of porridge, gruel, and beer. That was about the extent of it. I mean, that sounds like what my kids would be doing if I didn't live with them. So <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so yeah, it was um, it was not uh, it was not a good time to be in the military. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It was mm. not a good time to be a peasant. It wasn't. It, you could say that for all the medieval times, but. Yeah, not a good time. Yeah, Especially when you've got a king where that's, he just loves it. He loves he, yeah. fighting. And let's get into that. Edward Longshanks was born in 1239 in Westminster. He was the firstborn son of King Henry III and guess his wife's name. Matilda. Matilda. No, the other one. Eleanor. Yes. Uh. Yes, I knew that. I knew that actually. <laughs> Way to play me up, bro. <laughs> You had a 50-50 shot there. <laughs> I really did. If it was a guy, I would have said Joffrey or Henry, so. Edward was or described William. as tall and lengthy. He was actually six foot two. Which, I did a little bit of research into that. And six foot two is taller than average even today. Back then, it was a really big difference. So this is really interesting. In the Dark Ages, also known as the Middle Ages, the average height of a man was five foot eight. But by Edward I's time, that amount had actually gone down and would not start coming back up till the 18th century. So we're talking by his point in time, the average height was about five foot six. So he was like really He was really, tall. really, really tall. Doesn't that have to do with the amount of protein in their diet or just... It's, it's definitely related to diet, but... I mean, it also there there are a lot of factors who go that go into it, but diet certainly is one of them. Amount of sunshine that you get, uh, hereditary stuff. There are a lot of things that go into that. So. I'm still just disappointed that Longshanks had to do with his height, and not with his hoo hoo size. Right. I'm just saying. But that's what I thought when I first heard it. I thought it was, was going to be dirty. Yeah. I thought he spent some time in prison. Right. That just shows the difference between mine and Michael's mind. Yep. But no, six two was. Not just tall, it was extraordinarily tall for that time. Another factor, too, here is the sugar that Amanda talked about in the last episode. The dietary changes involving sugar uh, did a lot of harm to yeah, people's this was, bodies. Yeah, because this was about 100 years-ish between Matilda, who we talked about last episode, and Longshanks. Yeah. So, for the most part, the, the diets would have been the same, but yeah, as time went on... You see a lot of changes. There was a lot of changes, but it was mostly to do with sugars. They Sugar. really, yep. really started to love sugars and honey and all that kind of and stuff. And the more grains that Twinkies. you introduce into diets, the, yes, the more issues we see too. So like one of the things that bioarchaeologists and forensic anthropologists can do is they can look at the teeth of someone and their bones and tell you a lot about their diets. And we definitely see a big difference, especially in, in dentition when we get into groups that are eating a lot more in the way of sugars and things like corn, which wasn't introduced in England yet, but corn made a really big difference. And certain foods just strip your body of ingredients it needs to be really healthy. 
totally off track at this point, but yes, yeah, six foot two was really, really tall for his time. I think if they, if forensic anthropologists examined my teeth after death, I think they'd say that I liked Reese's and Twinkies. And burritos. And burritos. And beer. Corn and chips. Beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fairly typical. Definitely. We'd see little Harris lines in your bones. <laughs> Malnourishment. Yeah. Carrying so on. So he was a giant. He was a, basically a giant. Yeah. When he was a child, he was fairly healthy and was really attached to his mother. He was a mama's boy. I actually have the opposite. I have a lot. I found a few actual primary texts that indicated as a child he was rather sickly. But back then that could be a term too for just not... Attitude-y? Not attitudinal, but more just not really big into being athletic. Being a mama's boy, he probably wasn't doing a whole lot of the athletic stuff. So it's very possible that's what they meant by sickly. Yeah. He had light blonde hair, which grew darker with age, becoming silver in the sunset of his life. He was described <laughs> He was described as strong-willed, decisive, ruthless, and cruel when mm-hmm. it came to the execution of policies. Yep. He was also very touchy-feely. He used his magic, I'm using air quotes, king powers, to touch and cure at least 600 people. Yeah, I bet that's what he touched. I'm sorry, I don't like Edward, so I'm going to say some nasty shit about him this whole episode. Not only that, but it was probably people with basic illnesses that go away after a while anyway. I have a cold. But they wouldn't I think am Jeebus, that. you are healed. I mean, think about it. Their humors are off kilter because they're sick. The king touches them. Their humors are rebalanced. It could be something as simple as a cold. And he allegedly touched over 2,000 people in 1305. That's a lot. Where does he have the time for this with all his fighting is what I want to know. Well, well, because he was the king. He wasn't the one doing all the fighting. Yes, he was. Were. No, he was fighting. He loved, loved fighting. What I wonder is, if this were still a thing today of... If people believe oh, that, I'm going to go oh, and have... Oh, you just got an image of Trump, oh, didn't you? God. Oh, she just oh. got an image of Trump, and that's really fucked up because of how much he does. We know he does touch people. Yeah. Moving on. Danielle is scarred for life. Oh, my God. Yes. Gross. So, both of his parents were big patrons of the arts and spent a lot of time and money rebuilding Westminster Abbey. And upgrading Edward the Confessor's tomb. Hey, we've seen that. Yeah. We did. Edward had a nearly miraculous way of escaping injury. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Go Can ahead. I tell you a story? This is the story of a girl. Sorry. <laughs> Don't do that. We have to pay for it. <laughs> Edward was on a crusade once upon a time. And he was allegedly stabbed. Here, let me read to you. Not stabbed. Stabbed. <laughs> he was on a crusade, and while he was resting in his tent, a Muslim assassin broke in and attacked him with what was believed to be a poisoned knife. He was still the prince at the time. He killed the assailant, but then the wound in his arm got really bad, and the reason they thought it was poisoned was because the limb swelled up, and the foul nasty wound got really stinky it grew black with gangrene Ew. yeah and they really didn't have much at all in the way of medical knowledge back then so the doctors kind of gave up they're like we have no idea what to do and he's gonna die 
But then one physician, and I got to tell you, this guy was brave as fuck to be able to do this to a king who's did he, that, or a prince who's that did cool. Did he give him cocaine about it? He did not give him cocaine about it. You got ghosts it. in your blood. Wrong part of the world for cocaine. This one brave physician cut away the poisoned, blackened, gangrenous tissue, and somehow Edward actually survived. It doesn't tell me whether or not the physician survived, but given Edward's <laughs> hatred for people who hurt him, it wouldn't surprise me if he had the physician killed despite healing him, but I don't have anything to say that. I just think he's terrible, so I'm going to go with it. So the Total take- speculation. The takeaway from this is the assassin was not from the Assassin's Creed. Nope. No. No. Because if he was, it would have succeeded. It was he not Ezio. Then he would have yeah, leaped out a window yeah. into a hay bale... With this sound as he does it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's one little health history tidbit there. Another time is when he was a boy. He was playing chess. And when he was finished playing, he got up and walked away from the chessboard. And a rock mysteriously dislodged itself from the roof and came crashing down right where he was sitting. Mysteriously mysteriously it makes me think of drop dead gorgeous right the light right yep i watched that the other day (laughs) we did too high five (laughs) another time is supposedly when he was in paris lightning struck the ground injuring two of his attendants but not him so close so close so many times why couldn't he just anyway i'm Uh, bitter i'm bitter about this game during the siege of sterling castle Edward rode around the walls, and a stone brought down his horse, but Edward wasn't harmed by it. He got up, and a javelin planted itself right between his feet. What the hell? I know, this sounds like one of those horrible parody movies you see. You know what I mean? Like some sort of Monty Python bullshit. This was totally Monty Python. It was just, So close and yet so far, so many times. And he was... Allegedly also never reported to be wounded in battle. Never. I mean, I don't know if he would allow people to report it if he was, though, to be honest. Yeah, he'd probably be too full of himself to be like... Yeah. To let him even say anything about it. I mean, I don't even know how true these tales are about him surviving all these things because history is written by the the conquerors, not the conquered. So people are going to suck up to him. So Edward saying. would be the one to call for his brown pants? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me my brown pants. Yeah. In 1254, at the age of 15, Edward went to Spain for an arranged marriage between himself and, guess the name of his wife. Eleanor. Yes. I don't have to guess. I did my research. Eleanor of Castile, who at the time was only nine. Ew. I know. Yeah. I know. God. Oh. Not only do they have to reuse names, they have to keep marrying their children so damn young. Yep. Ugh. I don't know. Edward spent a, long, a lot of his young adulthood watching the mistakes of his father. During this time, a civil war broke out in which Henry III didn't really win. His father was also threatened with excommunication for time. And after losing the rebellion... Henry agreed to what's known as the Provisions of Oxford in 1258. Uh, Henry later reputed the provisions in 1261, which would cause another civil war in 1263, known as the Barons' War. Shocker. I know, so many battles. I 
none of these kings have been good. They should have just let Matilda take the throne way back when, because they're all just so bad. And they're really bad at keeping their word. They are, they're just bad rulers. I think, like, every single thing we've talked about, it's like, we they did this thing, and then, like, four years later, changed their minds. Yeah. And it's like, where do they keep getting these peop- these soldiers to fight from? They order them to? Yeah. I mean, peasants keep having babies. They, they didn't have birth control. <laughs> Two years later, do you have another generation of soldiers? Well, that's not entirely true. They did have birth control, just wasn't very effective every single time the woman had to have sex she'd just roll over and go well guess i'm gonna have another baby essentially another soldier to fight for god and country yep at the battle of Luz, edward was captured by de montfort and was used to summon a great parliament in 1265 and his escape is just bullshit like he's not nearly as cool as matilda are you going to tell us about that well it's like he literally went out hunting one day and just never came back yeah. That's it. That's so what... instead of like faking your own death and, and being, being all cool, right? And being carried out like she did. No, he just goes out hunting and just doesn't come back. Hey guys, I'm gonna go out hunting. Which, which okay, I have to say, later, for the guys who are, yeah, yeah, the guys who are supposed to be keeping him captive, like you had one job, right? Why would they just let him go hunting by himself? <laughs> he did, he wasn't by himself. He had an entire entourage. It's just it was his men. That's stupid. <laughs> Yeah, they they didn't think that one through all the way. Well, they because he gave his word. <laughs> you can say that. That's the tagline of history. We didn't think this through all the way. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> so in 1265, all the rebellions had kind of died out, and it was a little bit peaceful. For a time. It was relatively calm for a time. And then... And then Wales was like, hi, we're here. Remember us? Before that, (laughs) the English were like, we're bored. Um, We're sick of fighting each other. We don't want to fight the French anymore. Let's go on our ninth crusade. Yeah, that's true. That did come first. I know, right? In which Edward went off. And that's where he, that's where the assassination attempt took place was on that crusade. Do you want to hear a cool letter I have from to and from crusade people? Yes. So this particular letter was actually written after he came back from that crusade, but somebody he knew on that crusade had written to him to say, hey, crusade's going great. We're going to attack this place. Hope you and the kids are good. Stuff like that. Hope you and the kids are good. We're going to go murder some more people. We're going to go kill some more innocent Muslims. And so, uh, yeah, thanks thanks for the gifts. Edward writes back and he says, And whereas you desire to hear prosperous reports of our state, we signify unto you in order to the increase of your comfort that on the day of the making of these presents, we and our queen and our children are, blessed be the most high, flourishing in full health of body, which we would rather know of yourself by true relation than hearsay. In other words, he's like, could you please just come home and tell me to my face that you're okay? For the rest, we have received with cheerful hand your New Year's gift of jewels, which you have sent to us, to wit, two Circassian saddles and two saddlecloths and two falcons hoods and four falcons hoods, for which we return you our abundant thanks. Wishing you to know that we have not considered these presents as small, because we have weighed the goodwill of the giver more than the gifts themselves in this case. He's actually complaining. These presents are shitty. But I like you, so we'll let it go. 
And people say that texting is ruining language. <gasps> okay, and then it gets worse. Nor indeed do we at present want any more hoods, as by reasons of arduous matters of our kingdom which intimately concern us, and do not yet as wish to keep more falcons than we already have. But as regards those stones of rubies which you have sent us, and then it doesn't go on, because it's like a bunch of dots. So he just leaves him hanging. He's, he's Dude, just... bro, about those rubies. He's like, thanks for the rubies. What the fuck is up with falcon hoods? You stupid piece of shit. We don't want more falcons. God, he was the worst. <laughs> he's like that terrible mother-in-law that you try and find like the perfect gift for for like years. And then you like finally figure out the right thing and you give it to her at Christmas. And she's like, what am I ever going to do with this? Or she what just... am I ever going to do with another falcon? Or she, yeah. She just holds it up with with two fingers on each hand with that look on her face and says thank you and then, like, and then sets it aside, it aside. <laughs> like he's the worst <laughs> and then he's like what are them rubies <laughs> but no no rubies, he's though. appreciative of the rubies he money. got the rubies Give he's like the money but as far as the rubies all right that's that's cool we that's need cool. more <laughs> Send those. Because I'm a king and I don't have enough. Because wars are apparently expensive. <laughs> Which is the funny thing, because at this time, what the hell were they spending money on? Because the troops had to take care of themselves. Well, but they still they still had to pay for stuff, too. They paid the troops a little bit of money, and then they also had to pay for the armament and stuff. But, like, just imagine how much cheaper it was for them that they made their soldiers. They actually raised taxes by an unprecedented one-twentieth of everyone's income come at this point to fund everything which God. that doesn't sound like a lot to us like five cents out of every dollar but that was a lot but for yeah for people to have it raised by that much was actually a problem God, so it's like the more you hear about edward the worse he gets you know and there's a lot of debate about whether or not he was a good king or not a lot of people up till the 19th century thought he was actually a really good king because a lot of the laws and stuff that he dealt with new implementations and governance and stuff were not a bad thing it's his ruthlessness and his bloodlust that yeah he really liked killing people and the fact that he was a personal asshole he was really abusive but we'll get there sorry honey keep going well it's really interesting that you say that because in one of the reference books that we use for this death of kings here's a direct quote out of there about edward Edward proves to be one of our greatest kings, although in memory we somewhat underestimate him. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things of how do we measure the greatness of a king? For the Scots? No, he was not. So let's get there. Let's, let's get into that stuff. His father died while he was out on the crusade, so he returned to England and in 1274 was crowned king in August at Westminster. Edward decided that he wanted to be king of all the British Isles. So he started a campaign against the Welsh, which started about the time he took the crown and ended around 1296. Took a while. Took a while. It was a back and forth thing. So he's like, I just took the throne. And now I'm going to take the lands. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. He and Llewellyn, Llewellyn would say, yeah, I'll hold this part of Wales for you in trust. And then Llewellyn would be like, actually, no, just kidding. Ha ha. And yeah. Which leads us to Scotland, which I, I focused a bit more on in my research. In the 1280s, relations were pretty chill with Scotland. 
the then King Alexander III get a different name for once. Yeah. He died. And the two sons that he had quickly died thereafter, leaving his three-year-old granddaughter, Margaret. Whoa. As the heir. They're finally coming up with new names. Margaret was betrothed to Edward's son, and their union would ensure that the Scottish were free of English rule. Kind of, sort of. Scotland had their own ruler and everything, but Edward got to give the final say-so on everything. Right. It was to keep the status quo going. Yeah. Sadly, Margaret died in 1290, and that's when everything started going to shit. There was a lot of infighting in Scotland about who should be on the throne next, and it was technically Edward's job to make the final decision about that. He ended up putting John Balliol as King of Scotland on the throne, but Balliol kind of sort of wanted Scotland to be completely independent of English rule, and by kind of sort of, I mean he really did, and Edward was not having it he was not okay with that he was so. he's not someone who lets go of something once he has control of it right right and this is where stuff like william wallace comes into place so go ahead and keep going with Freedom! that <laughs> keep in mind y'all just i have to put this in here william wallace was not braveheart i will come to who was braveheart pretty soon here because i'm going to interrupt mike a lot because oh, i'm can, very passionate about this everything is wrong there, there are a lot of podcasts and and youtube videos about how wrong braveheart is about fucking everything but we're not going to pick that movie apart per se but we are going to i am going to interrupt a lot because this is a story i'm very passionate about Edward continued to assert his rule over Scotland, and tensions began to rise and finally broke out with the Scots after they refused to support England's war effort against France. Instead, the Scots allied, Became allies. <laughs> allied with the French. And, oh, yeah! What a great I, wait, wait. big middle finger to No, Edward. I think you mean, oh, ho, ho. That's just like a great big middle finger to Edward yep. right there. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yep. Right? We're not going to fight the French for you. Instead, we're going to join them and attack Carlisle. Yep, yep. And this is an allyship that's going to last a really long time. Edward responded by invading Scotland in 1296. There were a series of battles, and Edward was victorious in a lot of them, and actually stole the Stone of Destiny. Also known as the Stone of Scone. Scone being where people in Scotland were coronated. And not the delicious thing I put. Not the delicious thing, I, yeah. I put that most people on. say scone, but it's scone. And that stone was stolen and taken back to England. And it remained in Westminster un until 1996. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Also, just it has a badass name. I'm just going to say. Stone of Scone? Well, like the, what would you say? First? Stone of Sto Destiny. Stone, stone of, of Destiny. Destiny. That sounds yeah. like something Indiana Jones would go for. <laughs> so the Stone of Destiny was stolen. The previous king, how did you say his name? John Balliol. Yes, he was captured and held in the Tower of London. Yeah. We've been there too! I'm sorry. I just get really excited <laughs> when we talk about places that I've actually been to now. It makes me feel important. I know that thousands of other people have been to these places, but it makes me millions, feel Millions, millions of other people. It makes me feel important. <laughs> it's anyway. fine. I feel the same way. 
But the Scottish would keep rebelling. They would rebel again in 1297 under William Wallace, who was defeated after the Battle of Falkirk. The next rebellion would begin again on February 10th, 1306, led by Robert the Bruce. So Robert the Bruce... He's a badass. We might need to do a full episode just on him. Robert the Bruce was on the council after John Balliol was taken captive that was basically running Scotland. And Scotland didn't actually for a long time have a king. And it could be argued that John Balliol was the first full-fledged king of all of Scotland. And it could also be argued he wasn't actually because not everybody backed and supported him. But Robert the Bruce took the throne and he's like, I'm the shit. And the way he did it, was to kill another contender for the throne in a church, which is like probably the greatest sin a person could possibly commit. So he took the throne and he's like, we need our independence. And so he declared, fuck the English. And (laughs) so, yeah, so he was the king and he's like, this is our country and it's only our country. You can take our whatevers and our whatevers, but you'll never take our freedom. Wait, what? Robert the Bruce was the actual Braveheart. Wait, what? No, I actually knew that, but yeah. I just love yeah. that people just always like think they know history because they've seen Braveheart. Right. Like, William Wallace said that. Nope. Weren't no. they weren't they not wearing kilts? They were during... not, they not wearing, kilts. wearing kilts nope. that time. They nope. didn't wear kilts yet. Nope. And well, there's so much wrong with that there's movie so and William Wallace and everything else. But, but that's one of the that's one of the big things was they did the wrong person. Yeah, Robert the Bruce was actually known as Braveheart. Was Braveheart, and mm-hmm. then yes, the costuming and everything was completely wrong because they didn't have kilts and stuff like that. They yet. just wanted an excuse to show stuff butts. like William Wallace going away and learning Latin and stuff like that never was happens. It a couple, like a quite a long time before they had kilts and tartans. It was a couple couple hundred hundred years years before they started having And uh, Robert the Bruce probably was not the one who betrayed William Wallace either. So I really hate that the movie makes it look that way. But he was actually, aside from killing somebody in a church... You know what? That's badass. I'm just going to say, just to be like, that's fuck your really... ultimate sin. I'm going to do it anyway. Seriously, that's really brave. But it I'm also got him in trouble. He had to hide one. He had to hide for a while after being declared king. He had to hide from his people because of that. But he rallied the troops. And we'll go back to Edward now, who was, by the way, he was 60 at this point in time, but still really sound of in mind. However, his body was starting to run down a bit. Okay. Well, this is at what what third war at this point something that, that yeah Edward's he been involved has in? more wars won than the patriots have super bowl rings <laughs> i don't think that's possible i don't think that's but this possible this has got to be like his third or fourth war campaign with scotland yeah. yeah he's getting up he's there gathered he's gathered his infinity stones yes he including the scone, stone of scone the stone of scone that's the one that's in the middle <laughs> that's yeah that's the big that's the final stone right there We've broken Michael. <laughs> Look at him. He's turning bright red. And those rubies that his friend sent him were the rest of the stones. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. We figured it out. Edward was building an infinity gauntlet this whole time. And then he died before he could use it. Yeah. So, but he's getting up there in age. And when he went to go attack Robert the Bruce during this point in time, he was carried by horse litter, and actually we have a photo of what that would look like, and we'll be posting that on our Instagram. He would try riding, and he could only ride about two miles per day before he just got way too wiped out. By the time he got up to 
Boron Sands or Bor by Sands. I've seen it both ways. So he took to his bed and this little town, by the way, is, let's see, I wrote it down somewhere. Okay. So this little town is pretty far north. It's about 108 miles south of Edinburgh. He knew he was really sick. Over the last three or four years, he'd been running down, getting just really weak. His physicians and people who wrote about him said he had the usual dysentery. We haven't covered that many monarchs, and it seems like, like most a big of them one. is, yeah. oh, just dysentery. Well, because dysentery was the word that they kept using for what they called a bloody flux, which just meant there was stool with blood and or mucus in it. You were like shit yourself to death. But that's the thing, though, he wasn't. He just had bloody stools, and he was really run down, and his stomach hurt a lot, so they presumed it was what they called dysentery. He knew he was sick. He knew he was probably dying. So he told his son, Edward, the, who's going to be Edward II, that when he died to have his heart taken to the Holy Land along with an army to fight the infidels. Oh my god, even on his goddamn deathbed, <laughs> he's like, go murder some people. Yeah. He also asked his son to have his body embalmed and taken all the way to Scotland to go fight Robert the Bruce. Just spoiler alert, his son was like, mm, no. <laughs> Well, and the reason for that is because he was not just cruel to other people. He was damn fucking mean to his family. Like, in his later years, his wife kept him away from their kids as much as she could because he would he would beat them. There was one incident in front of a bunch of people. He took his grown son by the hair and ripped a bunch of hair out because his son was in love with another man. And he was like, if you bring him back, I will kill you. And, I mean, he was just, he was nasty. Oh, a murderer and a homophobe. Yeah, yep. He just literally keeps getting better and better, doesn't he? He's so awful. I'm going to talk for a minute about what most likely actually killed him, and that is rectal or colon cancer, or even possibly colorectal cancer. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what dysentery is and is not, and why it is more likely it would have been cancer. Dysentery does usually include bloody mucousy stools and massive diarrhea and a lot of times it's actually pretty mild. You can get over it unless you get super dehydrated and it's the dehydration that kills you. But considering, Or unless you're on the Oregon Trail. Or if you're on Oregon Trail, yeah, absolutely. It, then it'll kill you in 24 hours. Sometimes dysentery can include blood or mucus in the feces, but not always. It's usually just diarrhea. It can sometimes and most often actually towards a deadly state give you fever, nausea, and vomiting. And there are two different kinds. It can come from the Shigella bacterium or from Antamoeba histolica, which is a type of amoeba. And that one includes the abdominal pain, but also fever and chills and super watery diarrhea that actually has pus in it. Gross. I know. No. I know. I hope you're not eating while you're listening. Right. To it also can include severe fatigue and interestingly enough, intermittent constipation. None of those except for fatigue were said to be had by Edward. But rectal cancer early on includes rectal bleeding which he'd again been said to have dysentery for several years you would die of dehydration at some point if it was dysentery there's no way very little way he would have had that for years and years because they didn't have IV and, and antibiotics and stuff like that so yeah and wine is not very hydrating no the early signs of rectal cancer are the the rectal bleeding which could be bright or dark red in color Narrow stools, in other words, you've got tiny poopies. Tiny little poopies. You can have a feeling, a constant feeling that you need to empty your bowel, but nothing happens. You can get anemia, which 
he was really weak towards the end of his life. He was riding in a litter, persistent abdominal pain, unexplained weight loss. And then after a while, you get severe constipation and diarrhea kind of fluxing back and forth. Rectal bleeding or blood, like in mass quantities in the stool. Abdominal bloating, cramps, or discomfort. So really, I mean, this is a nasty, nasty disease, all right? So I'm going to read a brief passage about his symptoms. Okay, so by 1306, he had developed a complaint which contemporary writers describe as a dysentery. The problem is a man of his age, he's at an age where he you can frequently get cancer of the rectum. And his progression of the illness was not not like dysentery where you just get really bad really rapidly. It was kind of slow. He did lose weight and he had no energy, which is more symptomatic of cancer, not dysentery. He did not vomit. He was still able to eat. It's just that he was losing a lot of weight. He never had a fever that anyone talked about. I kind of got the gist from a couple of readings that he could feel something really deep down low in his abdomen bothering him, which is more likely to be from something like cancer eating you, eating your innards away. Whatever the case may be, he died on July 7th, 1307, and his son was like, fuck what he wanted, he was a jerk. So he was just embalmed, like we talked about before, probably with straw and herbs and things like that inside of his cap- body cavity. Medieval Febreze. Yep. And then he was taken to Westminster and buried in October in a plain gray tomb, which I find this really fascinating. Most kings get a really cool effigy and stuff. His is really, really plain. The only reason I've been able to find it was because I had a map. Because most of the tombs there are really big and ornate for people who are kings. And his is just dark and small. I don't remember. Did the two of you get to see that one? Does his yeah. epitaph yeah. say, was it the one that said, I like fighting? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was carved later with, Malleus Scotorum, which means Hammer of the Scots. Which is so funny, because that makes it sound like he's a weapon for the Scots, like he supported them, when really he just kept trying to steal their country. Yeah, right. Yeah, he kept squishing. He hammered the Scots. But it, like, if I heard that, like, Hammer of the Scots, it, like to me that sounds like he'd be like the defender of the Scots. He's like the millionaire of the Scots. Yeah, <laughs> like to me that sounds like defender or something, not, no, I'm literally hammering the Scots. Yeah. <laughs> And then, because England can't just leave dead people the fuck alone, in 1774, the Society of Antiquaries, I don't know why I can't say that tonight, opened his tomb, and they said that his body was well-preserved. Gross. Well, they put him in medieval Tupperware. They put him in medieval (laughs) Tupperware, and he was well-preserved, and that's actually where they measured him, so we, we have his height today, because they didn't really measure like that back in his day, so... That is the story of Edward Asshole Longshanks. That should be his official name. Can we go carve that on his tomb, do you think? Can I we think sneak in we there? I think get in trouble. <sighs> we'll be banned from there forever. I mean, Why I've seen letter? it a few times. I'm fine with being banned. It's, it's fine. <laughs> so if you have a cool story you'd like us to tell about a leader who had an especially heinous death or interesting story post-mortem or really awful long-term health issues, you can email us. Monarchs and Malarkey at gmail.com. All one word, Monarchs and Malarkey. We also are on Twitter at Monarch Malarkey. We're also on Instagram. Uh, you can either just search uh, hashtag Monarchs and Malarkey or you can look up Monalarkey, like it sounds, M O N A L A R K E Y. 
Or you can find us on Facebook. We have a main page about our episodes, Monarchs and Malarkey, but we also have a discussion group. If you'd like to join, let us know on there. And that discussion group is Monarchs and Malarkey Peasant Revolt. Because what else are peasants going to do? What are they going to no go to war for I need to stop canes. singing songs because Michael's going to keep yelling at me that we're going to get sued or need copyrights. <laughs> Just use your kazoo. Okay. We still uh, have to pay for That's going to be really loud. Alright. And many thanks to Jay Gelter for our music and Mark Gelter for our artwork. See you on the flip side, peasants.